you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Good morning, Compassion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? You guys look good. Actually, I can't see you. I don't know if you do or don't. I'm just speaking into existence. You don't want an ugly church. You know? I'm just playing. So glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Glad to have you at Compassion today. If it is your first time, welcome. And I hope and I say this and speak into existence, welcome home. Love for you to be part of the Compassion family, be part of this church. Last week I shared with you the vision of Compassion that for 2022, two things I shared with you, a new heart and a new house uh, that we are starting this year, raising money to start building a new sanctuary. Amen. Yes. If you would like to have more information on that and be a part of that, please do us a favor. Go to our website, Compassion.cc, and look at that. Uh, we want to get this new sanctuary as quick as we can. Amen. We want to have a, a nice facility for you. We already have a nice one. We want a bigger one so we can cut down on all our 1,125 services. <laughs> Praise God. But the first thing I talked about was a new heart that I'm believing that for 2022, God's going to begin a revival in this church. And some of you may have a whole different idea of a revival. You've been raised in church most of your life, and you think you know what a revival is. But all I kept hearing last year for 2022 was God kept saying to me, revival, revival. Kept saying it to my wife without us talking, not knowing and then when we came together, she takes me one day and said, I feel like God is saying revival. And I said, that's what God's been dealing with me all day long. So I want to talk about a new heart. Having a new heart. How to allow God to move in us. We're preaching on bust to move. And uh, I want to talk about, I was deciding today whether to preach on bust to move or, or do a break dance for you. I'm going to preach if that's okay with y'all. I want to tell you a story of a man by the name of Delwowski. Dale Wowski. If you're to talk to some of the great baseball players of the 50s and the 60s, they would say to you, Dewowski was probably one of the fastest pitchers of all time. I'd read that up to date, one of the fastest pitches of all time was 105.1 miles an hour. 0.1 faster than I can pitch. And they say that this guy by the name of Dowowski could actually pitch faster than that. We don't know for sure because they didn't have radar guns at that time. But some say that he would pitch as fast as 110 to 115 miles an hour. He, he pitched so fast one day that the ball went, what do you call it, stray or whatever, hit one of the hitter's ears and ripped off the top of his ear. He pitched so fast one day that the ball went astray, hit the umpire, broke his mask in three places, rendered him unconscious and put him in a coma. Some of the great baseball players say that you could hardly hit against him because when he pitched, it was so fast. 
But there's one thing. He never made it to the majors. He never made it to the big game. As fast as he could pitch, and as many strikes as he may do, it never failed. Inevitably, in every game, he would have more walks or as much walks as he did strikes. You know why? He couldn't control the ball. They would bring in people to train him, do their best to try to get him trained to be able to pitch that ball straight. But no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't do it. He would get some strikes. He would spend the next nine years in the minors for the Baltimore Orioles. Dawalski. In fact, some would say that he'd come to the fields later on begging for money. But what if, what if he could have learned how to control that ball? He probably would have made it to the majors. What if he learned how to really pitch and not pitch a straight? He probably would have gone out as one of the greatest. But you know, a lot of our lives are filled with what ifs. What if we'd allow God to move? What if we'd have listened to the voice of the Lord? What if we'd have trusted God when he said, what if we'd have chose not to make that stupid mistake over and over and over again? What if? Now, I want to stop real quick because I don't want to talk today about the what ifs from the past. You cannot live in the past. It's behind you. You can only strive to the future. So today, I am not talking about the what ifs of yesterday. I am talking about the what if today. I want to read a passage to you. It's out of... 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Who's ever heard of this passage? None of you, okay. Some of you. Many Christians have heard this passage. In fact, it, we many times equate it to revival. You'll see it all. In fact, there was a place that was all over town here at one time. If my people who call by my name, blah, blah. I, I want to throw something in real quick. We can't use that passage in that way. God here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is talking to the chosen people of Israel, his nation. So many times when we equate it with that type of mindset, we do it in the wrong way. Well, we're calling America to revival and we're going to speak 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 over America. The problem is, is America isn't God's chosen people. Israel was. But this can be a learning lesson for you and me as individuals to allow God to move in our lives so that he also can move in this church so that we can begin to see a revival in this house so that we have a new heart. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, say this word with me, then, then. I want you to remember this word all day long, no matter what, then. I want you to say it all day, then, then, then. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will what? Heal their land. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. And I pray the Lord, every heart and every mind to be open to receive God, what you've got in store. Let not one, not one leave this house the same way that they came. But let us be blessed by your word. And amen and amen. Solomon has just dedicated the temple.
He's built the temple. He's excited about what God has got in store. And he's dedicated the temple. They've prayed over it. They spoke over it. Uh, They actually end up killing 70,000 bulls to sacrifice for the temple and 120,000 sheep and goat as a sacrifice to God. They had celebrated for seven days. On the eighth day, they had a festival. And now they're about to hear something that God is about to say to them as they embark on this new temple for the people of Israel. After he's prayed, sacrificed, had festival, did all that you need to do, then God speaks to Solomon and says, tell the people this. Lay this out for them. Because see, what God is really saying is this, that I know y'all, and I know what you're going to do, because you always do it. You serve me, you sin, you stay in your sin, you then eventually get taken into captivity and bondage. Can I tell you, that's what sin is. There's a reason why God uses that as an example. Sin is nothing more than captivity and bondage and prison that the enemy wants to use in your life. Eventually, God's people would cry out to him, and God's grace and his mercy and his kindness would always come to the rescue of his children, bring them out of captivity, out of bondage, and they for a while would serve him and go back and do the exact thing over and over again. So nestled here inside of this chapter, God then gives a word for Solomon to speak to the people, if my people are called by my name. And it begins to lay something out. And I want to talk about today. I've got the four eyes that help bring revival in your life and in the body of Christ. Number one, write this down. I've already said it. Your what ifs. If my people, your what ifs. It is time for us to learn as men and women of God. It is time for us to realize that we need to stop for a second and look at our life and say, what if? What if? What if right now Brian Harris has made me mad? And what if I slap him across the face? What if? Now, we probably should ask that question before we do it, right? But some of you don't seem to have that capability. How many of you struggle with impulse in here? Yeah. I love people who struggle with the impulse because when I say, do you struggle with the impulse? They're like, it's like they can't get their hand up fast enough. It's like, oh, I do. I do. What if? That before we go and make that statement to someone who's made us mad, we think about it for a moment. What if, when we know that God has spoken something in our life, what if instead of thinking we're unable, not capable, don't have the goods, don't have what it takes, what if for a moment we stop and say, but with God all things are possible? What if? See, for God to move in our life, we've got to learn to start listening to the what ifs in real time, not past tense. Stop living in the past of what ifs. It's gone. It's over. You screwed up. You made a mistake. There ain't nothing you can do now. It's already past. You chose that dress. Y'all know I got a new car recently. I thought about getting a purple one. I found, who said that? Thank you. I like it. I wanted a purple one. My wife finally said, yeah, if you want to like a pimp. (laughs) 
Let's just say it the way you mean it, baby. Like a pimp. All right. I feel like I'm a, kind of a pimp daddy. All right. Yeah. I'm moving on. Is that what you're telling me? Okay. There are times in my life that my family does come in very handy. My wife and my daughter are saying, move on. Move on. Now, I'm probably glad that I made that decision. No, I'm not. I'm still mad and upset about it. But anyway, we'll talk later about it. I really wanted it. But there comes moments in your life where you've got to look at the what ifs, not of yesterday, but of today, and say, what if I make this decision? Will it bring glory to God's name, or will it denounce his name? Will it make those around me proud of me, or will it make those around me embarrassed by me? If what I'm about to do, will it begin to speak good of who God is in me, or will it begin to say that I'm ignoring what God says about me? What if? Recently I did a, a study for some pastors and you got three type of decisions you make in life. You make a, a one minute decision, a one day decision, and then a, like a, a one month decision. That we, we have to learn to make decisions and, and not live in a place of indecisiveness. But in the process, you also need to learn that the what ifs have a dramatic effect on your future. What if I decide to let this go? I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to respond. Because the Bible says that I'm going to give the other cheek. You hear me, uh, Brian Harris? Give the other cheek. Don't get mad at me and slap me back. You give me the other cheek, let me slap that one. Be a Christian. Be a believer. What if I make a decision today that can elevate me to a higher level tomorrow. He said, if, why? Because he knew his people and he knew the mistakes they would make and he knew what was coming. He said, if you will. God was in essence trying to say, listen to me and what I'm about to say to you. We're dedicating the temple today that you can come in and worship me. But I'm telling you, it's more than about the temple. It's about the relationship you have with me. And if you will make the right decisions, if you will choose me if you will begin to put me first. Then, and it begins to lay out what he'll do. I'm getting so tired of Christians choosing to do other things but serve God and then get shocked when God doesn't bless them. I don't understand why God let this happen to me. Well, you were robbing the bank and Evelyn, you get shot or go to prison. Are you shocked? I, don't, I just don't understand this. I don't, I don't understand why my wife left me. Is it wrong for me to talk to other women? Y'all don't get quiet on me today. What if? See, what if making the God a decision will help you to make the right decision that will bring about the great and exciting future that God has for you. What if? We keep trying and trying and trying to bend God's word, God's rules, God's regulations to the way we think they should be in society. Please do me a favor. God does not bend to our society or our cultural norms. God doesn't do that. Only God's changed by who we are today. No, he's not. God woke up in 2022 and said, oh, all right, let me revise this thing. It's getting old. Come here, Father. Come here, Holy Spirit. We got to read. Do you know they're saying down there that this is what we should do now? 
God doesn't do that. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The next one's this, your identity. First is the what ifs. The next is your identity. Listen, my people who are called by my name. Listen, are you a child of the most high God? Okay. Are you a child of the most high God? Yeah. <coughs> Sound like my wife all last week. My wife had COVID last week. In fact, they said she should be done by tomorrow. <laughs> you be nice, Elba. <laughs> Do you know who you are in Christ Jesus? You are a child of the most high God. He said, you're the top and not the bottom. He said, you're blessed and not cursed. He said, you're good in the city, but you're also good in the country. He has called you. Listen, you're a priest. You're part of the royal priesthood. Do you understand who you are? I don't think you do. Because if you knew who you are, you would stop doubting what God can do in you. If you knew who you are, you would stop allowing others to run you in the ground and make you feel like nothing, tearing down your, in, tearing down your security, tearing down your self-confidence. You would start realizing that you were made by a creator, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you would start believing in who God's called you to be. How do you say you're perfect? I didn't say you don't have faults. I didn't say that you can do everything. I do three things. I preach, I lead, and I cast vision. Outside of that, I'm terrible. I don't do anything else. I'm bad. I don't know if I can preach good. I just do it. But what is your identity? The thing is, first, you know your identity in Christ. I am a child of God. Can I tell you something? And because you are a child of God, behave like it. Amen. I think I told y'all last week, if you amen me, it gets shorter. Hallelujah. <laughs> Losers. I actually said if every once in a while you'll stand up and go, Woo, preacher, pastor. It even get, that's like a five-minute takeoff for my sermon. If you stand up and go, preacher, pastor, even do a little jig. I may cut off 10 minutes from my sermon if you do that. <laughs> I didn't send 10 minutes per person. <laughs> You're a child of God. But here's not only do you know your identity in Christ, know your identity for Christ. I, my identity is a pastor, a preacher, a teacher. That's my identity. You have an identity too. Every one of you. There's not one of you sitting in this church that God doesn't have a purpose and a plan for your life. What is your identity? Also know your identity, what the Bible says about you, who you are, what you can do, what you shouldn't do. How many of you know that God's not a cosmic killer of fun? So whatever God's identity for you, if you'll live according to it, God can move in your life. Most of you are having an identity crisis. You keep trying to live in the world when God has called you to live in the spiritual realm. You keep trying to be who you used to be when that is not who you are anymore because the Bible says you became a new creature or a new creation in Christ Jesus when you got saved. You're not a liar. You're not a cheat. You're not a bank robber. You're not a drug addict. You're not an alcoholic. 
Amen. You're not, you're not an adulterer. You're not a, whatever you used to be said about you, the moment you got saved isn't you, and you're a new creature and a new creation in Christ. And until you understand that and believe that, you'll keep believing the accuser, the devil, who comes against you and tells you how bad you are when God is trying to tell you how good he can make you. That's who he is. What is your identity? But here's something else. Number three, his instructions. Here's your instructions. He lays out very simple. Number one, humble yourself. Humble yourself. The Bible says it this way. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. In other words, we most of the time, you ever talk to someone who's always been braggadocious? I don't do well with braggadocious people. I don't. People that are always trying to build themselves up. If you're always trying to build yourself up, raise yourself up, make yourself look better, the Bible says God will not lift you up. But the moment that I humble myself before God and say, God, I am your willing servant, do what you will, God then says, I will raise you up. He will lift you up to a higher level, to another level, to another degree if you will then allow God, but you've got to humble yourself to do that. Ephesians 4 says it this way, be completely humble, completely humble and gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. You know why we don't get along half the time as Christians? We ain't humble. We're going to set each other straight. You ain't going to make me mad just like Brian get all upset because I said slapping him. I don't know what we got all mad about that for. He got, he's full of pride. He's going to hell. It's a shame. I'm praying for him. I'm sorry. Brian, Brian, I, Brian will never sit on the front row again. He'll, he'll sit in the back row next week. But it also goes on to say, not only be humble, he said, pray. If my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Can I tell you what prayer is? Prayer is nothing more than communication with God. That's all it is. I don't want to teach you how to pray this big elaborate prayer. We used to have Wade Lucas. I'll never forget Wade Lucas growing up. He's a guy in our church. And, and, and it used to make me mad. Anybody remember the days of when the pastor would always ask someone to pray at the end of service? Anybody remember that? Yeah, my dad would always do that. And he'd go, hey, Ray, look, you on the front row. Will you close us in prayer today? And we'd go, no! Because we knew what was happening. For the next 10 minutes, when we're ready to go, dad's sermon was long enough. We didn't need any more. He could go, oh, thy mighty God who reigns in the heavenly abodes, oh, that we might be in your bosoms of heaven one day. And I look at my mom and go, what do you say? <laughs> See, that's not what God's looking for. God is looking for you to say, hey, Lord, I love you. Lord, you know it's been a rough day. It's been a tough day. But I love you. I'm blessed by you, God. And I need your help today. God, I just want to sit here and have a conversation with you. Do you know that's what God wants to do? God just wants you to pull up a stool and he'll pull up his throne and y'all sit down and you'll have a conversation and he'll talk about how he loves you and how he's blessed by you and he'll let you know the future and the plans of what you can do to become better in him. But see, he goes on to say there's more than just prayer. He says, seek my face. I'm not just praying to pray for what I want. I'm praying so I can seek his face. Matthew 6, says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's right there why I'm preaching this to you today. As your pastor, your shepherd, your spiritual father, I want everything to be added unto you that God has for you. The joy, the peace, the blessings, 
the understanding, the wisdom, the spiritual knowledge. I want you to have everything that God has in store. So here's the second thing. Remember, I told you the first thing when it comes to this passage. It is not referring to making a nation become have a revival. It's not. The second is this. Remember, at this time, they had to every year make a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice to cover the sins. You don't have to do that anymore. 2,000 years ago on the cross, Jesus made the final sacrifice. He was the last sacrificial lamb that shed his blood for not the covering, but the forgiveness of all your sins, past, present, and future. So when I'm asking God in these moments, it's not about whether I'm going to heaven or hell. Now for some of you, it may be because you don't know Jesus yet. But in this passage, it's not so much about going to heaven or hell. It becomes a passage about you receiving the blessings and the direction and the joy and the power of God in your life. Some of you are saved and on your way to heaven, but you are still living a miserable life. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to be blessed. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. But there's one last thing he said, and this is so important. He says, but turn from your wicked ways. I feel myself every time when I get this somewhere like this of, of apologizing. And I don't know why I apologize. Where along the line are you as men and women of God going to understand that there are some, there are way more do's, but there are some don'ts. And don't keep talking about God's love and God's grace and how you're believing, how you're Christian, but you continue to live in the sin and the things you're doing. I don't know what to say to you. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I'm just trying to tell you the God's honest truth. Come here on Sunday morning and live for Jesus and get your praise and worship on, your groove on. Amen me. Thank, oh, what a wonderful sermon, Pastor John. And then I get to see you on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram during the week, and I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, I didn't know they had those kind of cuss words. Or you could treat people that way. Or you could act like that. What? See, there comes a moment that it's not just a social Christianity. There comes a moment that it is a severe Christianity. So severe, I will do whatever it takes to become who God's called me to be. Whatever I got to give up, I'll give up. Wherever I got to go, I'll go. Because I want God to be first in my life. Do me a favor. Stop taking God's grace. Stop taking God's grace to be a license for you to continue to sin and live the way you're living and expect it to be all right with God. It's not. Hey, listen, I'm not saying you're going to hell. Now, be careful. You may go to hell. You may eventually lose your grace and walk away from God. But I'm talking about there are things that you're missing out in your life because you're not living for God. Listen, God ain't going to bless you when you're doing things unblessable. Lord, bless me right now as I enter and rob this bank that, God, I get all the bounty I need. And, Lord, protect me. Put a hedge of protection around about me by the firewall of the Holy Spirit. That, Lord, I pray right now that these security guards can't shoot me. And, Lord, as I'm being chased by the police down Highway 287, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that, Lord, you will cut off the police cars so they stop right where they are. Jesus looking at God the Father going, is he stupid? I ain't blessing that. 
I ain't got nothing to do with that. In fact, listen, stop calling yourself a Christian. Just like we had a lady one day, we gave her a free shirt as we do to all our first-time guests. And she proceeded to put on that new shirt and then go to Walmart and lose her ever-loving mind. I mean, she lost her mind. It'd be all right if she lost her mind and, well, not people saw it, but she lost her mind and they got it on camera. Videotaping her flipping out in the middle of Walmart and they zoom in on compassion. <laughs> if there's ever been a moment in my life that I regretted giving someone a t-shirt, it was that moment. Asked my wife, I'm watching the video going, somebody shoot her. Taser! I am begging for someone to taser and get her on the ground. And the last thing is this. If I will, if I will humble myself, if I will pray, if I will seek his face, if I will turn from my wicked ways, and he says this in the last one, your intervention. Your intervention. God will intervene in your life. Listen to what he says. Then, 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 I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. God wants to forgive your sins. God wants to wash away your iniquities. And he said, then heal their land. Now this is, again, that's referring to Israel. Healing their land. What does that apply to me today? Healing your family, your job situation, the sickness in your body, your mindset, your marriage. See, God wants to bring healing in your life. See, if we want revival, then can I tell you that first we got to understand the what ifs. We're going to start choosing more wisely. That we're going to start choosing more wisely within our life. That we're going to understand our identity. That we are children of the Most High God and we're going to act like it. That we're going to listen to His instruction. And as we do, God, 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 is going to intervene on our behalf. Amen. Stand with me. We want to thank you so much for joining us for our service today. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Before we let you go today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And over 2,000 years ago, God the Father gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross for you. That through His death, you would have eternal life. And through the shedding of His blood, you would have forgiveness of all your sins of past, present, and even future. So if you're watching right now, and you're right now living in a life of shame, sadness, and sin, I want to introduce you to my Savior. All you have to do today to be saved is first admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that He is the Son of the living God, died upon a cross for you, rose on the third day, and lives forevermore at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. And with your mouth, confess the Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. So if you're watching right now, and as I'm saying these words, it's touching something in your heart, and you say, today, I want to give my heart life to Christ, then I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me my sins and all of my ways. I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. I repent of my ways, and I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, I want you to know that you are a child of God. Your sins have been washed away. You're a new creation, the Bible says. 
and eternity with Christ is your reward. Do us a favor. If you gave your heart and life to Christ today, please let us know in the comments or reach out to the church. And we would like to tell you your next steps in following Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you guys for joining us here at Compassion Church Online. If God has done anything amazing in your life, a story that you want to share, make sure that you comment below and let us know. We hope that you guys have a great week and we'll see you here next weekend. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.